Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women. I am so excited that you are with us today because finally I have on the podcast today, Dr. Mary Claire Haver. Many of you may know as the Galveston Diet. She is all over social media. She has a book coming out in January. Welcome, Mary Claire. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I mean, I am really excited to have this conversation around perimenopause and menopausal medicine and really how our diet has to change as we age. And what I love about the Galveston diet is that it really is more of a way of life and a community. And you really educate your population about the why, as opposed to eat this, here's a meal plan, right? Because it has to be something sustainable because when we're 75, we're not going to be putting our calories into a program or, you know, working off of a a meal plan essentially. So I really love that you teach the why and you really educate. So let's work through some of this. I love your backstory, Mary Claire. So will you please share with us just kind of how the Galveston diet evolved? Sure. So for many years, close to 20 years, I was a very busy OBGYN practitioner. I was aging along with my patients and I was noticing very common complaints, you know, throughout the majority of my patients that they were experiencing unexplained weight gain and changes in their body composition somewhere in their late thirties, forties, fifties. And so they would, you know, I'd walk into the room, we'd be chatting, how are you doing? And they would like, it's almost universal, grab their stomachs. Yes. Squeeze and shake it at me and say, what is this? I can't get rid of this. Why is this happening? I'm struggling. I can't get rid of this. And what we were taught in school, what, you know, our, our background is very similar. Yeah. Calories in calories out is the way. And I would sadly pat them on the knee and I'm kind of embarrassed. I did all this. And if any of them are listening, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you know, I would say, you just need to work harder. Um, Bring in your food journal. Let's look at your calories. And I knew nothing about nutrition because I was never taught. And the only thing I thought was work out more, eat less. And the notion that if you were struggling with your weight, it's your fault. It's because you're just lazy. You're not smart enough, you know, come on now. And I mean, we were taught to tell people to eat healthy, but really not getting parameters on how to do that. The only diet. Right. What does health look like? Diabetic diet. (laughs) Yeah. That was it, you know? And so I didn't even know for myself what healthy looked like. Right. So, you know, then it was my turn. So then I start going through the changes associated with perimenopause start having the weight gain exacerbated by a death in the family where I just kind of stopped paying attention to anything going in my mouth other than wine and and processed carbohydrates and kind of get me through the grief process. So then when I kind of woke up from that six months in, I was, nothing was fitting and I had totally changed my body composition. Right. I had a belly and a gut that had never, ever been there before. And so I thought, okay, it's time. I got to get this off. And I went to the gym and I started doing all the tricks I used to do. I was cutting back on this, kind of really just cutting calories. Yeah. And it, I'd lose like a pound or two and then it would just bounce right back on. And I just became over weeks of this 
increasingly yes. frustrated. And I just realized I sound like my patients. This is exactly yeah. what they're going through. I mm-hmm. gave them the advice. I'm following the advice and it's not working for me either. So, I mean, I was doing crazy stuff like getting up in the middle of the night to empty my bladder and then getting on the scale. Like I was weighing every day. You're obsessed. You're obsessed with the weight. And so I was like, my, my, the, the caliber of my day was set by what the number on the scale said. And right. that's just not healthy. And so many of us live this way. And so then my husband was going on a trip. He works overseas and he was leaving for a long trip. And this is all pre-COVID. And he said, hey, I said, when you get back, you're going to have the wife you deserve. And he's like, whoa, okay, look, I love you. Have the wife I deserve. I don't care what the scale says. You got to stop this. Like he said, what do you tell me? What do you tell the children? If the if you want a different result, you need to use different actions. He goes, figure this out. You're a scientist and you're a smart girl. I got, you got this. And I was like, <laughs> challenge accepted. So I being the type A crazy person, I was, in, I was employed by a large university system. So, and I had delivered faculty from one end of the university to the other. So I'm sure friends with me. So I called up my PhD nutrition friends and we're like, hey, what is going on here? And so they go, yeah, this is definitely a phenomenon. We're now recognizing that this is a thing. It looks like the weight gain is more to do with aging, but there's something to do with body composition changes that is definitely yeah. related to menopause and inflammation. So I'm like, okay. So they sent me articles. I went down the rabbit hole for months. I was compiling data yeah. charts. I just was going down and I said, okay, there's something to this intermittent fasting. And this is before the JAMA article in 2021 that came out. There's something about yeah. intermittent fasting. I was looking at all Mark Matson's data from the NIH where there's lowering inflammation. It doesn't look like weight loss is that dramatic with IF, but there's definitely decreasing insulin levels, decreasing inflammation. I'm like, let, let me start with this. Yeah. So I started experimenting with intermittent fasting for myself. So again, this is all me being vain and not wanting to have this 20 pounds on, <laughs> less about health. But as I researched why this was happening to me, it became all about health and all about longevity and decreasing my risk of chronic yeah. disease as I got older. So then I started getting interested more in nutrition. Like what are the nutritional principles here that can lower my inflammation levels? And there's tons of information out there, but they're just mm-hmm. not connected back to menopause specifically. So I started digging, digging, digging for studies related to menopause and nutrition, menopause and this nutrient, menopause and and patterns of eating and and how this is affecting us and who's suffering from visceral fat and weight gain in their belly versus who's not. And so Mm -hmm. that's where the next phase of the program developed the anti-inflammatory nutrition profile. And then finally, we, we have something called fuel refocus, really letting go of the scale, stopping to count calories, really looking mm-hmm. at macronutrients. How much protein do we need? How many fat and you know healthy fats and, and, and mm-hmm. net carbohydrates and, and fiber and all these things. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the last portion of the program or the meal plans and putting it all together in, in a way that mm-hmm. makes sense to you and something that's sustainable. Yeah. So I really love this because oftentimes I feel like that we as women or entrepreneurs become our own hero, right? We, we identify a deficit. Um, and in this particular area, it's like, what do we do about menopause and weight gain and this body distribution that just, or body composition that completely changes. And I just want to validate. I mean, I know you have a large following, but just for my listeners, like I hear this, I practice in East Texas. I practice in North Texas. I practice in West Texas. I've been all over. And this is such a common complaint around perimenopause, menopausal women. It is so common that I 
doing everything that I used to do and nothing works. So the thing that I love about the Galveston diet is twofold. One, just the story of origin and how you've, you've seen the benefits yourself, the accessibility of it, like it's totally affordable. And the fact that you teach us in the Galveston diet, the why behind it, the science behind it. And as a scientist is a bit of a nerd myself. I really love knowing that because then you get the buy-in and then you understand the why. And so then you're like, oh, okay, this is why I need to change the way I'm eating. This is the why, why I need to pay attention to the nutrients, right? It makes a huge difference. It's always the approach I had in patient care was I was never the doctor who you went in and it was like, do this because I said so. Like I just- right. Maybe it's being a woman and always feeling like I had imposter syndrome. Like I always felt like I had to explain why I was recommending X treatment and what the science behind it, because that's what I would want to know. So when I approached, you know, these kind of radical ideas back in 2017, when I developed this, why I was going to teach this, I, I felt like my, whoever wanted to do this with me had to know the science behind it so that six months from now that when they're making that decision, they're opening the fridge or the pantry and they're reaching for, they're thinking what's going to lower my inflammation. What is really going to feed what my body needs rather than feed an emotional need that I'm having. And just that constant struggle to to make that choice. That's going to like lead you to a pathway of better health in the future. And so, you know, being able to share the science, I do hours of lectures on our in on our online program explaining the science behind the program and yeah. and rather than I'm like don't jump to the meal plans don't like give yourself a month to just read and absorb and yeah. read it and and understand why I'm recommending these things before you start you know changing your habits so that yeah you know, that it'll stick yeah absolutely I think that that's really key I'm sure there are some who jump straight to the meal plans and there are some who are like meal plans are not for me. Just like, tell me why, and then I'll do what I need to do. Right. Like uh, my mother-in-law and I talk about this quite a bit because I swore that I had gained 10 pounds during COVID. Swore it. And went to my annual visit and she's like, no, you're the same way as last year. And I'm like, how is that possible? Because nothing fits the same. And my mother-in-law looked at me and was like, but your the body composition just shifts in menopause. And I'm like, I'm not menopausal, you know? But yes, yeah, like things start changing. So I think that, but I, I talked to her about, you know, the, the diet because I'm like, oh, this would be great for you. And she's like, I'm too old for that. Like that, the meal plan and the shopping list and all of that, you know, feels a bit cumbersome to her. So what would you say to that? Who's someone who is older, who's really wanting to do something to optimize their health? So we have a lot of students who are in their 60s and 70s and it it just touches me because they are, they are our biggest fans and that it is never too late to change your health for the better. You know, our program is less about a bikini body, which would be great great in a bikini, but we are about playing with grandchildren. We're about climbing a mountain in the 70s. We are about maximizing your health as you age. If you're looking for a quick weight loss program, find another program. This is not the one for you. Right. It's really a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I named it diet, you know, back when I was doing it, I was a clinician. And so diet in medicine means a plan of a method of eating, you know, a a way of eating. And so a pattern basically. And so I named it diet because 
you know, when you go to put in orders, you put in a diet order and it's like a right. pattern of eating for, for patients. And so, but now with social media, I can't undo the name. <laughs> so that's the one thing I would have done different is not called it a diet because it just gets lumped in with toxic diet culture. Right, right. Okay. And that is a fair point because it, this isn't about toxic diet. This is about optimizing your health. This is about choo- making better choices whenever we eat. It's not about food shaming or any of that. So let's go into kind of your biggest health tips, specifically Mm -hmm. like when you're talking about not counting the calories, but really paying attention to those macronutrients. Can you kind of talk to us about that? One of the big things in our program is we try to get people away from counting calories because if they're coming to us, there probably is a weight or body composition issue and counting calories is not working for them. Mm -hmm. Right. often sacrifice nutrition in order to get to a certain calorie count. And so one is like, just, just for, as an experiment, let go of the, let go of the scale for one and let go of counting calories and just try a couple of things for me. And it's, it's called the fabulous four challenge. And it's basically teaching yourself how to utilize nutrition. So counting nutrients instead of calories. And so just trying to get to the recommended FDA values of a few certain nutrients um, without supplements, using food to get there. Right. And the, the reason why it's work, it's my biggest video ever on social media. It's got 10, 15 okay. million views and, and people went crazy over it, but it's counting fiber, magnesium, vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids. That's it. And trying to get to the recommended FDA values of those. So, and utilizing food to do that. So the beautiful thing is that if you're eating a food that's naturally high in fiber, more than likely it also has several other nutrients involved. Right. So you're right. Doing, by hitting those four, you're also probably hitting all of your nutritional values and that right. you know, fiber is filling and slows down digestion and slows down absorption of blood glucose, which decreases your insulin levels, which stops driving fat to the, you know, abdominal viscera. And so it all right. kind of works together. So, but for your listeners, I would say, make sure as a woman, you're getting a minimum of 25 grams of fiber per day. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That is going to feed your gut microbiome. That is going to through food. Okay. Yeah. Right. Number two would be watching your added sugars. Added sugars are the sugars added in cooking and processing right. not fruits and vegetables. The whole keep the whole keto movement really, yes, you will lose weight on keto. It's temporary and it's highly inflammatory. And mm-hmm. you're kind of undoing the long-term health benefits, you know, just to get to a number on the scale. So I'm not a fan of the way most people. Okay. You know, so added sugars are sugars added in cooking and processing, your high fructose corn syrup, your sugars, your table sugar, you know, your right. honey. And just letting your sugars be from natural sources, from fruit, vegetable, dairy, if you can, you know, if you don't have any, if you're not allergic or, or intolerant mm-hmm. to dairy, but limiting those to less than 25. I'm not saying never, you can't never have a cookie or whatever, but you, you have to be diligent and picky about your sources of added sugar. So by, but the WHO, the World Health Organization and the American Heart Association both recommend for women limiting those added sugars to 20, 20 to 25 grams per day. Okay. Okay. And the third Amazing. thing would be exercise. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't yeah. both cardiovascular cardiovascular does. You remember resistance training is good for your muscles, right? To keep strong and, and flexible and able to do the, the, the things because sarcopenia is knocking on all of our doors as we go through mm-hmm. and menopause. So we have to actually work harder to, to undo that damage. And then of course, and then cardio is more for your heart. 
And so strong and blood pumping, they both kind of work together to lower insulin levels and keep you healthy and do all those things. And especially cardio has been shown to decrease, you know, women who do cardiovascular activity, like zone two, not, not anything crazy. You can't do hit. That's what floats your boat. But if you're just walking at a brisk pace, that's probably enough to lower your risk of visceral fat and chronic, chronic health disease. Awesome. Awesome. So it doesn't have to be, we don't have to have all these athletes out there. You're not saying no, and if like mega athletes. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> do it. But right, right, right. You don't have to, to be healthy. Right. You know? A brisk you walk. You can just get up there yeah. and do a brisk walk 30. It's more quantity over quality there. Like, you know, keeping that heart rate in zone two, which is, which is, you can talk through it, you know? Yeah. Then for a good 30, 45 minutes each session, about three hours yeah. a week seems to be the magic. You can dramatically yeah. change your health for the better. Yeah, agree. And then just explain to us why weight training is so important. This is something that, or resistance training, this is something that I preach to my patients all day long. Yeah, so resistance training, you know, is so important for us to hang on to our muscle. And, you know, one of the, what I do in my clinic is I have an in-body scanner that actually gives us measures, uh, measure of muscle. And and, Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm able to discuss with patients, look, you are running at about 90% muscle mass than a woman your age. And so if you stay on this trend, you're going to be the woman who has trouble getting off the toilet, trouble reaching over her head, can't lift a grandbaby. Mm -hmm. I'm talking 20 years down the road. Like this is now. And everything in your body with to do with aging and menopause is moving you towards sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle mass with age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if that's not just your activities of daily living, right? I mean, if that's not motivation, I don't know what it is. If you want to get off the floor without help, then, you know, this is what we need to be doing is make sure you're doing the resistance training. Okay. So you talked to us about the fabulous four. You gave us like the main things to look out for, like making sure that we're watching our added sugars and just the exercise is key for longevity. Let's talk about the supplements that you often recommend. Yeah. So uh, let me say this. I'm trained in culinary medicine from Tulane and I have to say your nutrition should come from food first. We supplement when there's a gap, when there's the socioeconomic gap, when you have allergies and tolerances, no access, then, but food should be the main source of your nutrition. So that being said, what are most women deficient in? What are they not getting enough through their diets? One is fiber. I talked about that earlier. Yeah. Average woman is only getting about half of the amount of fiber she needs. What I recommend to my students and my patients is try to get 25 through your diet. Okay. Then you push to about 35 with a supplement mm-hmm. to try, you know, there's no upper limit of normal of fiber. There's almost no bad, you know, now there are people with diverticulosis and, and things where they need to really kind of watch where their fiber sources come from. But fiber does so many good things for our body. It feeds the gut microbiome, decreases the, you know, absor- rate of absorption of sugars into the bloodstream, which lowers your insulin levels. I mean, people who have diets high in fiber are healthier than people who do not. Um, so that's right. what comes back. The second is we see a tremendous, about 80% of my patients, I don't know about yours, but are deficient in vitamin D and vitamin D all is the time, all day long, hundreds, if not thousands of, of biological processes in the body. And so I'm yeah. constantly recommending fiber, I mean, vitamin D rich sources. Some people are poor absorbers, you know, or doing vitamin D supplementation. There's not a lot of great data supporting 
vitamin D supplementation over food sources, but God, the, the deficiency level, I mean, deficient is so yeah. high. And I have, yeah. you know, so many patients who are saying that they feel better, you know, when they get their vitamin D levels up across yeah. the board. Another is omega-3 fatty acids. It's another problem with the Western diet is we're getting a lot of sources of omega-6 fatty acids, mostly through mostly through vegetable oils um, rather than omega-3 rich sources. And so the way it was explained to me is our cell walls are made up of omega fatty, fatty acids, right? We have essential mm-hmm. fatty acids we have to eat and it's three, six, and nine, omega-3, six, and nine. There's no problem with nine. You don't need to supplement that. But we tend to get a lot more six than three. And so the cell wall will basically fill itself with whatever's floating around your bloodstream. So if you have your Mm -hmm. diet rich in six versus three, it's going to pull six. The breakdown Mm -hmm. product, so when the body needs a fatty acid, it will pull whatever's available. And if you have more omega-6, that's what it's going to grab. And so the breakdown products tend to be more inflammatory than Mm -hmm. omega-3. We need omega-6 in our diet, but there's zero deficiency there. So- right. You know, I sub, I recommend an omega three supplement, or at least trying to eat more omega three. You know, we have lists of this on our blogs, um, and that right. blog we have list of foods rich in this. And then, if you're still kind of lacking, you can try an omega three supplement as well. And then finally, one of my favorites is collagen. Mm-hmm. One because there's some studies that came out in 2021 that showed that it is protective against osteoporosis. It actually reversed, uh, the bioactive collagen showed reversal of osteoporosis in Mm -hmm. women who were supplementing with it, who were diagnosed with active osteoporosis. So the line of thinking is, is that it might, and the studies haven't gotten there yet, but that, you know, since that came out, now they're looking to see, is this going to be protective against osteoporosis, osteoporosis in women? So. Fascinating. Okay. And so is it listed on your website and the blog um, what your preference is and the type of collagen to purchase and right. how much? It's all there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 And then you mentioned vitamin D, but what about magnesium? So I like a magnesium supplement, but we're very rarely... Defi- well... If you go to the American Academy of Dietetics, they feel like 50% of women are not getting the recommended daily like nutrient amounts of magnesium. But mag is one of those minerals that can also be medicinal, meaning taking it in super physiologic doses can have medicinal benefits. A lot of our vitamins and minerals aren't like that. Like taking super doses of vitamin A is actually toxic. You know, taking big doses of vitamin B, you just pee out what you don't need. You know, right, right. So mag, however, works a little bit differently. Of course, there's several kinds of mag out there and it's depending on what you try to do. Certain forms will induce diarrhea or aid in constipation. Others will help raise your blood levels to, you know, if you go into the ER and you've been throwing up and, you know, you've got low electrolytes from that, you know, they'll give you IV mag for that. Mm -hmm. But there's some studies on a specific brand, not brand, but type called magnesium alpharionate. There are eight mm-hmm. that actually is the, one of the ones that crosses the blood brain barrier the best. So if mm-hmm. I have a student or patient who's complaining of sleep issues or resistant depression or mm-hmm. anxiety, that particular form, and, and there's some other forms too, glycinate has been shown, that can be helpful in some of those conditions. So I often yeah. recommend that depending on the condition. Okay, good. Now, you brought up something that I forgot to address. And this is the thing that I absolutely love is that you weren't satisfied with just like, I've developed this and I'm the expert. You went and got trained yeah. to like <laughs> the culinary school of medicine. 
that is pretty phenomenal. How did you find time to do that? So uh, good, good question. So I was, I was uh, AOA in, at our school, which is an honor society for medical students. And so the university I was employed at had an AOA chapter. And so I was often, you know, brought in for talks. Not, not I wasn't speaking, but, you know, we had a speaker come who yeah. was from Tulane who ran this program. And I was like, okay. hey, you know, because I had actually talked to the nutrition department at the university. Can I get a master's? Yeah. Is this feasible? And they were trying to right. figure out some way to have me do this. And then I realized that this was developed for people like me who were desperate right. for more knowledge, have zero, you know, really wanted to incorporate nutrition into yeah. their medical practice, didn't know how to do it. And we're too busy to go back to school full-time to go through the nutrition dietetics track. And so this was kind of a segue to do it. So now there's multiple chapters, campuses all over the U.S. who are offering it, but Tulane was where it started. And um, actually the professor I saw has left Tulane somewhere else. You know, he got hired out, Dr. Hanlon. And so it was online and it was, well, you know, I had to pay for it. And it took me about a year and a half to get through all the curriculum. And then I had to do four labs. So I did two in New Orleans and two in San Antonio, because you have to go to these big kitchens and you work with dietitians and, and you go through all these, these scenarios of how to help your patients. I mean, it was absolutely the best thing I've ever done. And I met all these other people like me who were, you know, advanced practitioners who wanted to learn more. And it was just awesome. Like I made really good friends. And then you had to take board exam. And so Mm -hmm. that's, so I did that in 20, I think I passed my boards in 2019. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we are all qualified to do exactly what we want to do, but I mean, I just think that that is phenomenal because we did get such little nutrition education in medical school. And so um, I think it just adds a lot of validity to the Galveston diet, in my opinion. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise. You have a book launch coming out January 10th. What's the title of the book? The Galveston Diet. Perfect. Easy to find. And you, everyone can find you on all social media platforms as the Galveston Diet. Where else? So we are on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest. Those are our biggest platforms. We also have a website, galvestondiet.com with tons of blogs, free information. We have quizzes to help you learn more about inflammation or learn more about perimenopause and menopause. We have a database for people. We have basically, I crowdsourced our followers for good menopause providers because they are hard to find. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's sad state of affairs where people are flying in to see me from out of state for menopause care because they can't find it where they are and they're so frustrated. So I'd like to, you know, spread the word about, and it's just patient testimony or people giving testimonies and you can go and read. And does this resonate with you? Is this something you're looking for? And then, you know, try them out and see. Yeah. Well, that, that's amazing. I mean, patients have found me from, from that resource. So I, you know, definitely appreciate that because you're right. They just want somebody in their area who's going to listen to them, who's going to provide them quality care, who's going to give them real answers. And it just makes the world a difference, I think, for so many women. So thank you for so what you're doing, Mary Claire, Dr. Haver. You're fantastic. I'm so delighted to have you on and share you with the Sky Women audience. You're so welcome. Great to be here. All right. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. 
As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.